0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit jabberjawmedia.com for more shows like this one. What makes a local music scene strong? In addition to great artists, it's helpful to have some serious independent record labels that can help those artists with the business side. Distribution, publicity, and marketing, amongst other things. Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the independent record label, Kill Rock Stars. Support for the future of what comes from MerchTable. With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, MerchTable partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit merchtable.com to learn more and open a store today. Today, we're gonna talk to the co-founder of the independent record label, Airst Records, and one of their up and coming artists about the label and the Portland hip hop scene. It's all coming up on the future of what. Support for The Future of What comes from SoundExchange. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Neil Fontali and Blossom. Welcome to The Future of What, you two. Thank, thank you for you. having us. Yeah, so nice to have you, see you. I love doing interviews where I get to look at people. It makes it... Me too. Otherwise, I just like look out the window while I'm talking on the <laughs> phone.
1: Sort of space out. Easier to keep track.
0: Totally. So our topic today is Portland hip-hop. And Airst Records is obviously quite a big player in this exciting moment in Portland hip-hop because, I mean, I think things have been going on here for 30 years off and on, but I really feel like we're kind of having a moment like a renaissance. I feel like there's a lot of excitement.
1: Yeah, there's a lot going on.
0: Yeah, a lot going on and a lot of excitement about Portland hip-hop, which is nice that we're starting to get a little bit of a national stage. So what possessed you three years ago to start Air
1: Struckers? <laughs> That's such a great question. I think really in its most boiled down terminology or the, the most boiled down sense of it is just that I knew a ton of people that were making hip hop in Portland, a ton of really, really talented musicians, and I at least felt like no one really knew how to turn a profit or make it into something that was sustainable and viable and so there were all these beautiful talented musicians that wanted to have a career in music but none of us really knew how or felt like we had a platform to do so and obviously changing the culture and the economy in town to support hip-hop is is much bigger than one label or one group could ever do but it was something that felt like maybe i could get a group of people together that could have an impact on that. Definitely. So that was, you know, in a big way it was to support artists and to hopefully help people have careers as musicians, especially in hip-hop in Portland.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's how, because I run the record label Kill Rockstars, which is an independent label that's been around for 26 years, and that's my husband who started the label... 26 years ago, that's exactly what he did. He was mm-hmm. living in Olympia, Washington, early 90s. There was a lot going on. And he really wanted to just document the scene and try to figure out how to help people get their music out there and have careers. Now, financially and in terms of cultural stuff, we are in a really different place from 1991, like yeah. twenty. I mean, 2014 when you started. So it's like, it blows me away that you were able to do this kind of successfully just because the money is not the same. You know, it used to be that you could put out physical product, you could make money selling physical products. Now everything is digital. And I mean, it's just like the finances are a little bit different.
1: At least for the scale that we were going for, it's a lot of like paying it forward ahead of time and hoping that the investment returns as opposed to, oh, let's, you know, press 100 records and then we'll make a profit on that. And then next time we can press 150 and build from there. You can't really do that, at least at the scale again that we were. Trying to go for.
0: Absolutely. Now, what did you have coming into this?
1: Did you have your own studio? No, I, coming into it, I had the set of sort of ethical values that I wanted to bring to the table, and I had my production, and I had the people that I knew in town, but we had no professional space. A lot of my friends and I had been making records for years just out of bedrooms, being mixed in other people's bedrooms, you know, like a lot of people with a lot of technical know how, but no professional space per se. So coming into it from my end, that's all that we had. But when I started to talk to Martel Webster about investing in the label, he also had a home studio. Mm. And that's where we were working on a record of his at the time. And I was able to start to bring people like Blossom and Mike Bogan up to sort of do like one-off tracks and things like that. And so the idea with asking him to invest was partially that Hey, you won't have to also spend money on a studio because you already have one. Mm-hmm. So as far as you know, building a label, there are already little pieces in place that will, uh, you know, reduce your initial investment monetarily.
0: Definitely. And Blossom, you started as a backup singer several years ago.
2: Yeah, I had a friend that sang, and sometimes he'd want someone to come dance or sing for him, so I'd go just because it sounded like fun.
0: And what I mean, what kind of got you thinking, oh, wait a second? I don't want to just do this for fun. I want to do this for real.
2: I think I lived in LA for a little bit and I pursued music there because it's just like the thing that everyone does in that city. So it wasn't hard for me to get connected into the music scene there. Like it is here. Like it's, you you go on any social media site anywhere everyone's promoting themselves and what they have to offer and open mic nights and places to sing and so to kind of take the intimidation off of it just being me I, I was in a girl group for a while and it really made me realize the things I didn't want to compromise in regards to what I loved about music and it's kind of just like if you want something done right do it yourself and I was like I felt like I am really passionate about this more than I thought I was. So that kind of really sparked my interest to separate myself from a scene where you're being thrown labels and images and genres and just like everything is like, here, do this. And, and Portland was the perfect place, which is funny because like coming back home ended up being the place for me to gain the independence and creativity that I needed to pursue being a solo artist. That's really
0: interesting. I I would love it if you talk a little more about that cuz that's something that I really feel the difference between places like LA and New York mm-hmm. and Portland. But yeah. if you could expand on that a little more cuz my my sense of it when I'm in LA, I grew up in New York City. Okay. I was played yeah. in rock bands in New York City and it was always this like like kill or be killed. Like we're all at war with each other for like a tiny thing, Yeah. feeling, and yeah. I feel like that's kind of where, what it's like in those places. Yeah, totally. You know, it's like there's a crumb of something that I we want, and we're all going to fight each other to the death to like get yeah. to the crumb. That's a hundred percent how I felt
2: about it. What it helped me get were questions that I should be asking myself, because I was asking people that were trying to get me to be involved in certain aspects of the music industry there and I was like you know asking a lot of why's and you know thinking a lot of things were unnecessary and and then it was like okay well clearly the big wave here isn't your wave right now and in cities, like I imagine New York and in LA, there's this rush factor of like, it needs to be done right now. And if it's you're not doing it right now, you're not serious mm-hmm. about it. And being serious about things is like a trigger for me a little bit. I get really like, I'm a procrastinator. I dawdle a lot. I daydream. I, I do a lot of things kind of on the whims of things. And music was something that I didn't want to do in that manner. And it it taught me how to slow down mm. and coming back home was at a pace where nobody's really like taking themselves very seriously here. Mm. Or at least at the time I came back, you know, that's like 2013, 2014. And that's like right around when I met Neil who, you know, I met him. How, when did you and Mark tell me? in midst of us meeting like a year later?
1: No, like around the same time, around but it, same wasn't, time. it wasn't, it wasn't, You know the same sort of relationship at that time?
2: It was like, I I felt like we kind of met each other at a time where we wanted to be serious about what we were doing and creating. And that's all you kind of really need is somebody holding you accountable for things sometimes, at least for me. So stepping out of this really massive wave of people and artists that want the same thing as you, but are going about it so fast really helped me you know have quality and and what I wanted to put out because I wasn't rushing
0: I think that's so interesting because to me that really sounds like the difference between independent labels and major labels Mm -hmm. in a big way because independent labels like pretty much I will say in general someone can call me on that if they want to like call me that's fine I think independents want, we always want artists to express themselves. Yeah. Right. And to take your time to express yourself. Right. And and be true to your truth. Right. Mm-hmm. And what you're describing in LA sounds to me like more like a factory system. Like yes. there's this assembly line and you better get on it mm-hmm. if you want to be a part of this. Yeah. And if you don't, then you're out because yeah. you're not getting on, getting with the program. Yeah. The pre programmed program.
2: Yes. Like you're, you're, <laughs> it, it's like really almost like you're auditioning to like be about it mm-hmm. like in the the process it's like the process of getting there is i don't even know what there is but the action of getting there in in those cities is like they're trying to break you before you actually like make it there instead of like building yourself up to be there you know Mm -hmm. does that
0: make sense absolutely it makes sense to me
1: and in such a like traditional industry way yeah to like Mm -hmm. almost ignoring what's going on in the internet in some sense except for oh do you have a high number of you know followers and all that kind of stuff
0: yeah right absolutely be rhyme by Blossom. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. To find out what's coming up next, follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW. If you're like us, you love a good newsletter. As an artist, it's a great way to get in touch with your fans, bring them behind the scenes, and offer exclusive opportunities. Share your tips for creating a great newsletter by tweeting us at, at KRSFOW and subscribe to ours. You're listening to the future of what? I'm talking to Neil Fontali and Blossom. Okay, so you got together with Martel and you guys had this studio mm. and who was the first artist that you worked with?
1: Well, I think that officially our first signing was Mike Bogan, other than, you know, sort of including that Martel and I make music and are part of the label and then Blossom and Ripley mm. Snell. Mm. Awesome. So that was our first sort of core group, I guess. Excellent. Yeah. And so
0: when you came to this, I mean, since you came to this with your background as a musician, but not really as a business guy, right?
1: I had been involved in one small business previously, but again, it was more on the creative side. Uh-huh. So it was not so much, you know, in the books or the numbers or that sort of thing.
0: Right. Yeah. So how did you decide when you wanted to like sign an artist and do a contract with them? How did you figure out like well, what should that contract look like and what are we trying to achieve?
1: Sure. Well, initially when I asked Martel for the investment, it included bringing on Taylor Dutton and Justin Longerbeam and Justin being the studio engineer and Taylor sort of being the president and CFO doing, you know, more of the, the books and the numbers and those sorts of, you know, you go to business school to learn about this sort of stuff work. And yeah, we all got together and sort of talked about what feels uncomfortable about what's going on in the music industry right now, what seems right to us about signing an artist and what we want to help them along with. And then what are the sorts of things that feel unethical to us, even if they're standardized in the music industry. And once we sort of compiled those ideas, we found an entertainment lawyer that was, you know, sort of willing to help us with our non-traditional contracts and got to work. Cool. Do um, you
0: feel free to share any of the details of contracts, like any sort of large items that you think are good about your contract?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I will say that never making it so that an artist, if they record a song with you is stuck and that's the only version of that song that can ever exist. I think that's a big thing. I think paying the artists upfront in a sense, not necessarily advances, but for their work as money starts to come in as opposed to recouping entirely beforehand. Yeah, some things like that in the model. All the contracts vary a little bit, but I guess transparency being another thing, like the artists are all allowed to audit the books on a regular basis and are allowed to check in on things and see the back end of everything. It's really important to us that nobody feels like there's even a chance that they could be taken advantage of or, you know, that their art won't be respected and that they their vision won't be the priority. Mm-hmm. So if that's not too nebulous to give you some sort of an idea.
0: That's fair. Yeah. You know, I think one of the issues that we have today as record labels and, and working in this particular time is that, you know, it's like people want transparency from us, which is, of course, I'm totally into it. You're totally into it. But the problem is, we also have all this data coming to us from these other sources that aren't actually that transparent. Right. So it's like, if an artist says to me, I want to understand my Spotify plays, I'm like, so do I. Yeah. There's (laughs) like, like, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I I know how much you made, but like when it comes to breaking it down, it becomes really difficult because they pay you differently based on the time of day, the city of play, the. I mean, it's, it can be really kind of out of control. Yeah. So, yeah, there is that transparency. Like, the full transparency is kind of difficult to right. achieve, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, as transparent as we can be with, with what we have control over. But, I mean, exactly. again, as you say, there's a lot that, especially in the internet age, no one really appears to have control over, or, you know, uh, the bigger yeah. companies have control over, and none of us have access to it.
0: Exactly. And it makes me mad, because I'm like, we should. And if you're such an awesome tech company, you should, too. You should sure. be able to be super clear about this. Right. but that's another episode of this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stupid podcast anyway <laughs> so blossom you put out a record last year an ep mm-hmm. basically I've,
3: i put
2: out two eps last year with wave and sass yeah both maybe last one year.
0: were one they both was, last year
1: yeah
2: i feel like they were both last year but i really don't remember no no no, no. it's because it's in, november now one was in right. 2000 maybe 15 16 and 16 yeah and then I put out an album this year. A full length. Mm-hmm. Both my EPs were through Airst and then my album was through Liquid Beats.
0: Cool. And how have you seen your world change? Like what's been, you know, in terms of from like, let's say two years ago when you put out your EP is what's been going on?
2: Okay. There's like a million things <laughs> I honestly can like really proudly say has happened, but I think the thing that really, 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 really matters to me the most is that from people listening to my music and coming to shows and having the opportunity to do shows, the things that I get booked for are things that are important to me. Mm. So like just recently I did a newspaper launch for this newspaper called The Changing Times and it was a really, really well thought out product product of things in the city, things we talk about that aren't really highlighted in the newspapers anymore. And I got to sing for the launching of that and create like a an installation atmosphere for it. And that that's something that's really important to me. I love being a part of new things being introduced into the community and the city, about the community and the city. And I really like the opportunity from people to showcase all the artistic faucets of myself, not just the like singing, like visual and creative structure and things like that. And that's something that I've seen as people reaching out and being like, hey, I, I like this. Would you be able to find a way for us to incorporate you into what we have going on as well? That is one of the biggest benefits I've received. It's really helped me like be an inspired artist and and write more because I am able to now have places to write for those spaces. Nice,
0: yeah, definitely. Did you get a booking agent at some point? No, I still do it just me, and
2: and then people will contact. Harris as well if they don't know how to get a hold of me, which Sean McDonald from Aeris, he's my love. He is so <laughs> helpful because I'm so stubborn about receiving assistance unless I just, like, know I cannot. Like, I'm overwhelmed, which Neil and Taylor are really good about reaching out and being like, if you need anything, let me know. <laughs> but Sean just does it, <laughs> And then is like, you know, I knew, like, we've talked about this. I know, and if he wasn't such a... America's most wanted man in all different fields, he would definitely be like a manager for me or somebody like that. But as of right now, I'm still
0: kind of doing it on my own. That's really impressive because you've you've played some pretty big gigs. I mean, you were at pickathon Yeah, that is, was called pitchfork. That was awesome.
2: You <laughs> had such a good time. pickathon yeah. bring us back, okay. Yeah. Right. That, was, well, that was last year, right? <laughs> last summer. Uh, yeah. 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 I think it was. Yes. It wasn't this summer. I think it was, yeah, last, yeah, summer. It was, yeah, it was last summer. summer. Oh, yeah, last summer. The years just like l- mold by. into one. Yeah.
0: was Jazz Crimes by The Last Artful Dodger and Neil Fontali. You're listening to The Future of What. If you're enjoying this program, like us on Facebook and become a subscriber wherever you get your podcasts. Support for The Future of What comes from Merch Table. Kill Rockstars has partnered with Merch Table for almost six years now, and they've come through for us in a lot of ways. Like when the comedian Kurt Braunohler wanted a face towel with his face on it, Merch Table found a way to make this. And it's been one of our most popular items in our mail order store. KRS loves merch table. You're listening to the future of what? I'm talking to Neil Fontali and Blossom. So would you describe, my understanding is that the hip hop scene in Portland right now, in addition to having, you know, up and coming labels, which is always like a sign of health in a scene and an engaged fan base, like people are excited about it and having like incredibly good talent coming mm-hmm. up that it's like a supportive scene. I mean, that's that's what I've been told, is that people are
1: pretty... You go first, because I have a mild rant. <laughs> I mean, I... Let's see. I, I feel like I want to preface it with just saying that, you know, not everybody is always going to get along. That's of just course. part of being a person, you know. And Portland's hip-hop scene is quite large, actually. You know, and a lot of it, I guess is underground per se, but a good chunk of the scene gets along. And it's sort of one of those things where if, you know, if you're breaking it into Venn diagrams, everybody sort of crosses over in some way or another. Mm -hmm. I don't really feel like there's any chunk of the scene or like faction of it that is entirely secluded from the rest of it. There are always people from one area that sort of spill over into the next, even if it's not all 70 artists you know getting in a room together it's still most people interacting with each other and i would say it's very supportive by and large you know a lot of people helping book each other shows a lot of people featuring each other Mm -hmm. a lot of like trading instrumentals for verses and you know trading sharing resources like oh i have this photographer that's really great maybe you want to work with them too you know sharing graphic designers things like that yeah i mean i think it's fair to generalize in saying that it's a supportive scene, especially yeah. compared to what I've heard about other scenes and how it used to feel here. Yes, mm. when I, Like when I was in high school, it did not feel that way at all. Yeah. It felt sort of like what you guys were describing earlier, where it's like everyone fighting over this one crumb mm-hmm. and, you know, it's a much more of a war and now it feels a lot more supportive and people can make really different styles of music and all be accepted as well, which I think is important. You know, you have this sort of, like, regionalism with sound that happens in certain scenes, and I don't really feel like that's going on here. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Okay, mini rant?
3: Yeah, it's a good <laughs> one. It's not a bad
2: one. <laughs> I 100% agree with what Neil's saying. I don't think that in hip-hop, everyone needs to get along with each other. Like, that's not what the point of hip-hop is. It's not, you're not supposed to be friends with everybody. But you are, it's a respect game. And that definitely is a blurred line between getting along and not getting along. And it has taken a, a long time, like Neil said, in you know, his high school era. My cousins used to talk about the hip-hop scene when I was younger. And from what I hear about it then to now is just that the scene needed artists and needed labels and needed fans and needed things like that to be serious. And I think a lot of it was that not enough people were taking themselves seriously. Therefore, it didn't bring a positive energy or a positive community into hip hop. There wasn't enough people willing to like kick down the door and let new people in to it as well. And what I see now is that, like Neil said, there's a lot of sharing going on and everyone is acknowledging and like i feel like it's starting to be like real hip-hop where everyone's like ego is so thrilled on themselves which is great you need that you need to be really hype and excited about yourself in order for people to feel like there's a game to be played and that's what hip-hop is at least like to me it's a it's a game and, and a very good one it's a lifestyle and it's something and it's supposed to be real and it takes a little bit of negative energy and a little bit of people not fully getting along and understanding each other and wanting to talk about what they have to offer in it as well. I think that the biggest support in the community are the people that are coming to watch the shows, Mm -hmm. and that's encouraging everyone to kind of get together and have that energy at their own space as well.
1: That's Yeah, that's very exciting. And like you said, competition is healthy with respect. It's super healthy,
2: yes, with respect. Totally, totally. I get so excited when I see other girls in the industry, drop a music video. And I'm like, okay, so oh, so you nice. Then, like, okay, <laughs> cool, I gotta set my game up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, competition is healthy. It's, I think the difference is that, you know, it's like inclusiveness expands the opportunities for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like this is true in, in every genre. Right. Like in spaces where people have decided, like, I've, there's a ton going on and I want to start my own label to represent that and like and, and you know, get more and more out into the world like that. Those tend to be scenes that grow and burgeon and become positive. And, you know, even if there's stuff going on, it's the scenes like L.A. where it's like there's only one path to success yeah. and you have to get on that path and it shrinks right mm-hmm. because then everybody's just fighting for that one thing that's like the next thing they need to do yeah i mean everyone in when i was in new york playing in bands like we all just believed 100 that we just needed to play to the mercury lounge that one time when that <laughs> one a <A&R> guy <laughs> was in the audience and that was going to fix everything <laughs> right yeah. like boom overnight we were going to have like these fabulous careers and so we'd fight each other for the like saturday night at Mercury Lounge spot. And it's like, really, that never, it didn't matter. Like that wasn't the brass ring, but we thought it was. Right. And it didn't help our careers to like fight with the people who were actually our friends who are like just trying to get along in the same yeah
1: building that sort of awareness in the community i think again that the whole idea of sharing like information sharing is super important it's really important for someone in the community to get a pitchfork review and for everyone to see like oh that doesn't make you exactly there's not this like Like, one step to be exactly yeah yeah. and like those sorts of misconceptions especially when you're earlier on as an artist i think having a community that can sort of break some of those down and say like no it's just about being yourself, continuing to put out quality material and seeing what happens, just continuing to work for it. You need to like, you need examples of that.
0: Yeah,
2: totally.
1: And now the community is generational enough that I think that's happening too.
2: And it goes all the way from the artist to the the venues as well. Like venues, if I could like get every single venue owner in one room and just talk to them about the type of atmosphere that they are also contributing to. Cause I'm like, just cause you have a building and it's pretty and it's nice and you have this one band come and they're awesome. Like those two things are, there's a million things in between that needs to happen in order for it to be a
0: fulfilling event and a fulfilling night for everybody. Definitely. And there's been like kind of an issue in Portland with venues and especially with hip hop shows. Totally. I mean, yeah classically that has been a problem Well, Absolutely. you come in
2: the venue the bouncer has an attitude so already you're tense you go in the lines are nuts because they didn't expect so many people to come why did you not do your research on who you have at your venue like they have fans expect right. them to have fans don't expect them to have nobody
0: and then you're short staffed right. that's ridiculous to me i don't understand right right yeah. yeah and then the i just did an interview with dj cliff and we were talking about Love him.
1: yeah he's mm-hmm. so great he's great
0: and we were talking about, you know, what do we need in Portland to support and expand the, the hip hop scene and community? And he said number one, all ages venues. Yeah. Yes. And that's true across the board. That's true Access for the indie world. Yeah. Yes. That's true for every music genre in the city. I completely yep. agree. So I'll plug Friends of Noise again. Yeah. Anyone who's yes. listening, absolutely. Go to their website, donate, do something. We just have to get some all ages venues happening in the city for everybody you know, for the good of everybody, because that's the next generation. Those yeah. are the people who are coming up, you know, behind you, which mm-hmm. is hard to imagine since you're probably like
3: 22.
2: <laughs> 28. Oh. I'm grown. Still. <laughs> Still. I'm grown, y'all. Still.
1: Still. <laughs> no, I like but that yeah, thing. it's true. All ages <laughs> is incredibly important. And it's it's a funny thing, but I mean, artists will also realize that the youth are more likely to spend their money On music.
2: They're waiting outside for hours. They are more
1: likely to, you know, really like contribute to your social media content, to your hashtag, to all of those sorts of things, you know, because you're excited, you're not jaded, you're not needing to spend your money on health insurance. Like, there's a lot of things, especially with the way the economy is right now, that make the youth very important to the market value in a sense of a community. Absolutely. Especially a creative community. And so, you know, on top of them being the next generation to come up, you know, wanting to imprint on them some of what we're doing, you know, in our generation, they also have, you know, money to spend. That's
0: right. Mm-hmm. And people get confused because they think, oh, those kids are not buying music online. And you're, I'm like, yeah, but have you seen them buy t-shirts?
1: Right. Oh my right. god.
0: Hand over fist, they'll buy t-shirts and merch and stuff that yeah, you got or at even, the merch yeah, table, yeah, whatever. to
1: carry the record around the whole show because they didn't want Literally. to sell out as opposed to like being too cool to walk, carry around the piece of merch the whole night. Exactly. You know, all those sorts of little things that yeah. happen the older you get, unfortunately. Yeah, it's
0: the energy they have to carry around it. Yeah. <laughs> we just have to, like, we can only carry this booze. Like, that's yeah. all I can carry. I can that. have my drink I or I can have the merch. <laughs> <laughs> but not both. <laughs> oh, my God. So what else do you guys think, like, other than all ages venues, can you think of something that would be, like, something that we should be working towards to help really expand and improve the hip-hop community? in Portland?
1: It's funny. I The answer that I had when the label started was the healthier the community is and the more noise we make, especially online, the more bigger publications will sort of turn their spotlight on Portland. And I still feel that that's important, but the way that media is changing so rapidly, especially in the past few years since the label started, it's hard to say that that will have as big of an impact as I used to think it will. Mm. Like I would love to see noisy raps part of vice come do a portland documentary on the scene i think that that would matter and that would you know Mm -hmm. bring some visibility but i don't think that that's quite as big of a deal as it would have been even four or five years ago interesting yeah i mean Honestly, more like angel investors, that sort of thing. More people that have money that are interested in keeping what's going on culturally in Portland alive Mm -hmm. and being willing to even invest on an individual basis into artists and things like that. All ages venues. Yeah, I mean, I think a big thing, honestly, is that there's so much money supposedly apparently moving into Portland. And there are so many people that are because of money needing to leave. If we could get those new people here involved in what's going on, Mm -hmm. I think that that could be you know, that could have a really big impact. Money, you know, it matters, unfortunately. It does matter. Yeah, and so playing matter. that game and, and yeah. being honest about the fact that we need more people to invest and to really care about the culture on a monetary level, Yeah, I think is, yeah, that's real.
0: That's
2: Gosh, that. I have so many ideas, it hurts. <laughs> I get, like, overwhelmed with all the things. I'm like, I want to do this right now. And I remember when I was in high school, we had a random lunchtime concert, and... They gave, it was like from Z100 or it was from the radio or something like that. And, you know, back then the radio was way more popping than like Spotify. Like now th- those are the things. But I-, I do think there needs to be a team of people that all they want to do is like be connectors or something. And I know there's reps for every big company in any city. And it's like, why don't we know them? Like, why don't we have Spotify at schools popping up and doing events for kids and bringing local artists there to talk about it why don't we have more panels at schools for every genre in the culture there's art that is included like we need clothes to wear there's people that make clothes why aren't we infiltrating those spaces for the people that are about to graduate and make choices for college and know that they have those options I know a lot of those programs are like cut or they can financially afford to do that but musicians we can do stuff for free anytime if it means we're going to have more people coming out to see us and i think that we should take the initiative to volunteer more
0: interesting yeah i love that idea because i you know i think more and more with the changes in our culture it's like depressing but but corporations are where a lot of the money is Mm -hmm. and they need us more than we need them yeah they need us for their for their income right so that's a great idea connecting with corporations in order to get
2: yeah you know they you get see- access
0: to potential fans exactly. and potential yeah. buyers and
2: you see clothing lines, they partner with rappers all the time where oh, like, like schools doing that more or like I mean or I know there's like ethical things and like all sorts of things they have to think about, but provide an after school program, connect with a label, an indie label and reach out to them. And which I have had. I've had after school programs reach out to me and I've done tons of stuff like that. And I'm like, why don't more people know about you? Mm-hmm. That's where where are you guys? And it's just more so accessibility or they don't know who to talk to.
0: Exactly, that's a really good idea. But I'll- Take the Night Off, featuring Blossom, by Mike Bogan. You're listening to The Future of What. If you're enjoying this program, like us on Facebook and become a subscriber wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Neil Fontali and Blossom okay one more tack because this podcast is about the music business because my mission with this podcast is to do similar to what you exactly were saying in the beginning like i'm trying to get artists to be able to be career artists right and in order to do that they need to understand the business and they need to understand their own business right so what do you guys like obviously you have a lot of people on your team who exist to help artists and to do the bits and help them with you know questions as you said what else do you guys do to to help your artists like you know do you help them set up their publishing and their songwriting like ASCAP and BMI and all that stuff I mean what do you guys do
1: yeah I mean I would have to say it's a artist by artist sort of thing, but we try to be as full scope as possible when it's necessary. If, you know, like you just mentioned, if that means setting up ASCAP accounts, if that means pointing you to a chapter in a book that helps explain publishing, if that means explaining what the contract that you just signed for this feature that you're going to work on is, booking shows, all of those sorts of things, you know, we we want to be as supportive as we can. Obviously, internally with the label it's four people we all have a lot going on so sometimes that also means you know pointing someone in the direction of hey this person might be able to help you out more or you know trying to help artists find managers there's just there are so many different facets to what it takes to be especially you know an independent musician in this era yeah it's it's so hard to like boil that down helping you build a website Making sure that you've got press photos, laying out a schedule for what an album release should look like, and explaining what a press cycle is mm-hmm. all of those sorts of things. Like, again, information, I think, is just super important. And so, being able to impart as much of what we've learned over the past few years and prior to the label on the artist as possible to sort of give a more accurate depiction of what's going on and what it means to have a career is, you know, definitely. Definitely something that we offer and something that we strive for, you know, to make it as clear as possible what is going on and what steps you need to take to really be, quote unquote, serious, you know.
0: And Blossom, do you feel like, I mean, because you just said a minute ago that you are always trying to hold on to everything,
1: like all the
0: yes. pieces. Yes. So do you feel like you have, because you're, you're you're just like on top of your own business, like is is that where you're, <laughs> you're at?
2: <laughs> it's more so it's my child and i just won't let anybody babysit <laughs> that's Good that's where i'm at like i mean neil seen me attempt to possibly have some some help outside of the air circle and like my best friends and it just was like i realized what i want what i don't want and then i'm like well i could just do that this next year is definitely going to be a year for me where i have to expand a little bit because I know that's what's necessary for me to grow as an artist.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's me saying it very stubbornly, but like <laughs> just knowing that I need to do that. Exactly. People ask me all the time, you know, when do I need a manager? And I'm like, you'll know when you need a manager because it's when you cannot keep up with your own business. Yeah. And you need help.
2: Yeah. I like no. brought my calendar cuz I look at it every 5 seconds now <laughs> because I'll get asked for something and literally my first answer is oh of course and then I'm like oh I have 16 things to do that day. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll get you in early morning like I'll still try but yeah.
1: And that's like a threshold thing for you. Like Blossom wants to be more involved in all aspects than some other artists want to. Some mm. other artists want a manager sure. because all they wanted to do was be in the studio and record the music and they don't want to have to have any, like it becomes overwhelming after that. Yes. Having to do anything else. Yes. Blossom, not so much. Yeah,
2: I just got it. <laughs> I want to know. I have a lot of questions. I want to like, I want to learn. I want to be able to teach eventually. It, it's like there's long-term goals in that like neediness of needing to be really involved with that and then it's also just like I'm so curious it's such a there's so many different aspects of this business that I will literally be shocked by you know a month later like oh I need to do that like let's talk about ASCAP that was something I needed to I didn't know about until Iris was like so do you want to like you write your own stuff. Do you want to get stuff together here? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't even think anybody would care to take my lyrics or steal my song or you know, ex- or put my face on a flyer. Right. That was like my last. My last year is like finding random flyers with my face on it, and I'm like, well, I'm not gonna be there. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I never even heard of that party? That's not even in the state. <laughs> crazy. Like, yeah. yeah.
0: When the things that happen. Do you know about Sound Exchange? Are you all signed up with Sound Exchange? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Oh good, good. <laughs> Got to get signed up with Sound yep. Exchange. Yep. Yeah. Everybody is. Good. <laughs> that's awesome. Because they're a big sponsor of, of this program, which is yeah, awesome. That's awesome. They're 100% good guys in terms yeah. of, you know, they pay you for internet radio play. That's awesome. And that is rad. Well, you guys, thank you so much for being with me today on the future of what? It's been a total pleasure to have you. Thank, thank you, you for having us. us. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Blossom, The Last Artful Dodger and Neil Vontali, Mike Bogan, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by The Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at killrockstars.com slash what, and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts and Anna McLean. I'm Portia Saban, president of Kill Rockstars. See you next week.